And here we go. The Sprista's Goose. <laughs> I don't apocalypse on Shabbos. <laughs> Trump Shabbos. <laughs> I say that doesn't sound like too good of a story for him then. <laughs> yes, it's an 80s film, but it's a quintessential 80s film. That motherfucker gets me excited about science. But yes, I, I do think that this movie requires a couple more views. I have the same cup size as Doc Hawk. <laughs> Give me my sandwich. <laughs> no crusts. Was it an instant classic for you? Uh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moviegoers of all ages, welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavanier, and with me as always is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. How are you doing today, bud? I'm doing pretty well, Justin. How are you? I am fabulous, because we are here to discuss and dissect what makes a film past or present absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish, all that we ask of each other. Don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Don't be crazy. It's hard hey, to do on a, on a movie like this, though. This is oh. a, it's a crazy movie. <laughs> My nipples are so hard right now. And I it's, look forward it's to not, milking them. It's not from this ice pack that I have on my foot. It is from this 1990 gemstone we have. What movie are we doing there, Sir Justin, Sir Cavender? We are doing Total Recall. Ah, ad- adaptation from the, the Philip K. Dickens. <laughs> Philip K. Dickens. <laughs> That's not what it is. <laughs> Mr. Dickens. <laughs> I poli- appreciate the yeah. heroic. The police, sir. Can I have some more? Mm-hmm. That's uh, the Charles Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, anyways, <laughs> yes. Total Recall, 1990. Not the uh, not the remake with Mr. Phone Booth, but fuck, uh, fuck that movie. That movie sucked. <laughs> it's not that good. No, not a fan. But I um, like the original one. The yes. original of the that is adapted work <laughs> from something else. <laughs> oh yeah, Mr. Paul Verhoeven knows how to make a very pretty good movie, especially oh, yeah. when it's an action spectacular like the RoboCop or the Total Recall or the Starship Troopers. Oh yeah, and we will definitely discuss that because um, I have some really cool stuff to say about that, and I know that you are a gigantic fan of Starship Troopers, so. It will be very interesting to uh, pick your brain on it. Um, I think we can have a lot of good uh, discussions around that. All right. So, um, so this movie stars Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Rachel Ticketon, Sharon. Is that how you say her name? <laughs> T- I think it's Tico Ticotin. 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 Sharon Stone, uh, Ronnie Cox, Michael Ironside, uh, Marshall Bell, Mel Johnson Jr., Michael Champion, Roy Brocksmith. I'm going to skip all these because I want to go to Dean Norris. <laughs> and you know Dean Norris from Breaking Bad fame. Did you yes. know that, Justin? He, was, he plays Tony, the yeah, of uh, course. one of the mutants. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's also in um, Starship Troopers. He's the one that's yelling at Rico during boot camp. Oh yeah, uh, he's a, he's the boss of Clancy Brown. Oh, he's yeah. like he's like, are you an expert on this here helmet? No. Then why do you tell him to take his helmet off during the live fire exercise? Oh yeah, okay. he's also um, one of the SWAT team commanders in Terminator Two. Oh, okay. um, the more you know, the more you know. 
but um, he is a fan of the Verhoeven, I guess, and vice versa. He is. If you're going to use the same folks in your motion picture shows, I always like that. It kind of makes it feel like one collective universe to me. <laughs> Absolutely. So that is the cast. Cool, man. Um, any any standouts other than, than Arnold? Um, Michael Ironside is pretty badass Mike, all the time. Michael Ironside is forever angry. I mean... Even on his birthday, or like if his if his children when his children were born, he probably was so grumpy. But <laughs> I I like Michael Ironside a lot. Yeah, he's got an incredible voice too. Um, he, he does. And I like I liked him. in Starship Troopers. I like that he's a good guy. I feel mm-hmm. like he he's, tends to be a bad guy in movies. Oh, he's usually um, always a bad guy. Yeah, ER. He's he's a doctor, which is pretty cool. But um, he was he was pretty badass in Starship Troopers. Yeah, and in the movie Ironside Eagle, where he flies a jet plane to. Save his dad's life. <laughs> Ironside Eagle. <laughs> <is> Iron Eagle. <laughs> no. And that's Mr. Jason Gedrick. He flies and Lewis Gossett Jr. from he... Jaws 3 fame. <laughs> he flies an airplane and it's made of Michael Ironside. <laughs> <laughs> that is incorrect information. I'll have you know that I really enjoy the shit out of Iron Eagle. And it wasn't until I was a teenager that I realized. That he was in a nerdy club <laughs> about planes. <laughs> he just screams geek, but you don't realize that when you're a little boy. But as you get older, you're like, wait a minute. He's in this sweet club where they got jackets made and they talk about airplanes in school. Because so, he's a badass, too. Yeah. Doug Masters. But we, I digress. Total recall. Yeah. With, so with how, the ticket in there. <laughs> how, did this, uh, how did this movie do, Justin? Um, I did pretty well. Um, let's see here. Did you want me? I I, I apologize. Yeah. Do you, you want your Do you want your your money, or do you want your critical reception first? I want you. I want you to do both. I don't. I don't care. Just All right. Do it, do it like you. You always do. Hit it like you mean it. Yeah. Um, it has an eighty-two percent on the Rotten Tomatoes there, so that's that's a fresh fresh ranking. Not too Ooh. bad. A lot of a lot of goods. A lot of highs. A couple of lows. Some of the lows being which Total Recall went through four directors before Verhoeven finally took it on and four writers worked on the script. It's no wonder the film finished uh, without a unifying style or a single performance worth mentioning. That was Mr. Bill Kelly from South Florida Sun Sentinel. Oh, I'm going to find him and yell at him. <laughs> Did he even watch the movie? <laughs> he probably uh, watched the yeah. Colin Farrell one. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a misprint. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, then we have Arnold Schwarzenegger brings an effective blend of machismo and innocence to his role. Too bad director Paul Verhoeven lets brainless violence and tricky special effects swamp the cleverness of the tale itself. Ooh, and I have so much to argue about that, and we will get into it later. But, okay, yes, continue. Yes. Zach likes to touch himself to ridiculous over-the-top violence, so he I mean, will take it. Duh! <laughs> Whenever he gets it. Um, okay, so enough of the negative. Those guys don't know what they're talking about. That was that was that was David Starrett. Two R's, two T's. And he don't lives like at him. he lives at one four three North Lake Lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, one twenty three Rainy Street. Uh, Christian, the Christian Science Monitor is the the outlet that he writes for. So oh, okay. <laughs> So, 
the church is paying the bills for his uh, movie-going experience. Passion of the Christ is the best movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, very much. <laughs> but uh, a couple oh. other... Let's go to some fresh tomatoes. How about some, some good ones? Total Recall is slick, sly, and submersive. A lot of S's there. And if some of the special effects have aged somewhat, that only adds to the charm. That's Tom Huddleston from Time Out. Tom Hiddleston? Loki? <laughs> Huddle. Oh. Like, getting together to talk about amazing things about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Desmond Ryan writes, Schwarzenegger is never going to make the De Niro's or Hoffman's of this world lose a night's sleep, but he has acquired a new confidence as an actor under Verhoeven's guidance. <laughs> Okay, fair, fair, fair enough, I guess. Why would he want to be a De Niro or a Hoffman? I know. He's a goddamn Arnold. He's a Schwarzenegger. Oh. Uh, yeah. Cool. All right. Oh, here we go. This is a good one. As Quaid Schwarzenegger continues to stretch beyond his reach as an actor, relying on physical prowess to keep him in character. <laughs> <laughs> that was Johanna. Steinmetz from the Chicago Tribune. Um, what did we do uh, dollar-wise? Dollar-wise, you got five of my USD. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> five? <laughs> well, this is 1990. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got to account for inflation, you know. Fair enough. Yes, five of my USD, along with another five from my dad. That's ten USD. <laughs> but the... Let's see. The domestic gross was 119 million, with uh, 261 worldwide. But a whopping 25 million of that came opening weekend, which was number you know number one in the theaters um, in 1990, which is not uh, not too shabby. Yeah, need, needless to say, this did pretty well for for what it is. So it wasn't really a flop. No, no, no. I mean, back then, if a movie hit. If a movie broke a hundred million dollars, that was a big deal. Yeah, I mean that was that would be in the in the in the papers, <laughs> in the papes. <laughs> extra, <laughs> extra! Total breaks a hundred million. Christian Bale sells you a pape on the streets of New York. Yeah, he does. <laughs> you like that movie reference? You, Do you, you know what that's a, from? You need a union, see? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> open the gates and save the day. <laughs> It's a fine life working working for the banner. Yep. <laughs> and then we just do leg kicks in the air. I like, I like the kid with the crutch. He's my favorite. I can beat him in a race any day. That's racist. Um, crutches. This. <laughs> so so this movie um, it started out as a well it's adapted I'm sorry from a short story by Philip K. Dick who is a famed sci-fi writer um, and it was called uh, We Can Remember It For You Wholesale um, it's, I was attempting to read it before this podcast but I fell asleep because I was so tired from work um, it's only about like 30 pages uh, so it's a pretty quick read from what I was getting from it though it's um, this film is is partially inspired by this book because it has the same ideas in place, but then it goes completely different. And I mean, that's, that's what film will usually do is you need something that can uh, captivate audiences and trying to go from book to, to screen is, it can be tricky sometimes. Um, and so they definitely used, um, took a lot more liberties with the film. 
Um, they remade this movie in 2012 with uh, Mr. Colin Farrell there and uh, Kate Beckinsale, um, Brian... Um, Altano. No, Breaking Bad. <laughs> uh, Brian Cranston played... I like Michael, him! ...played Michael Ironside's character. And... Um, it also had Jessica Biel, um, and uh, you know, it it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't it wasn't this. So I, <laughs> I we, 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 for the for the sake of of this of what we're going to talk about in this podcast, I don't really want to talk about the 2012 one. Um, I mean, I think that's just a whole other thing. Um, anyways, a sure. uh, couple interesting things. So this film was filmed in Mexico City, um, and that's why. So the subway system was actually their their subway system in Mexico City, and um, the crew actually painted it uh, gray and kind of made it more morose um, to give it that that almost dystopian future look. Right, right. Um, but the trouble with shooting in Mexico was the entire cast and crew got sick, except for I'll give you two guesses, Justin. Who do you think Arnold did not? Yes. So Arnold did not get sick. And um, also Ronald Shusset, uh, who was one of the writers for Aliens. Um, so <laughs> you shut fact. your mouth when you talk to me. <laughs> um, so this movie was it was directed by Paul Verhoeven, and like you were saying, um, Starship Troopers, RoboCop, tons of awesome, great shoot 'em up action, weird dystopian future cautionary tales. Um, very, very fantastic and i would almost say slightly underappreciated director um but he uh the story was written by ronald chesset dan o'bannon and john po- poville uh poville um uh, oh and gary goldman ah. nick, um, papa <laughs> nick papa giorgio <laughs> o'bannon and Ch- o'bannon and chesset actually um yeah so they did aliens which was great because aliens is fantastic and then they came on and, and wrote this movie. So yeah, Shusset and Schwarzenegger were Schwarzenegger were the only ones that did not get sick. Um, and I Arnold, heard that he had flown in his food. Yep, Arnold had his stuff catered. Shusset, oops, Jesus, Jesus, what just happened? Uh, Shusset uh, was just uh, very careful with everything he did, and he took like B twelve shots and all that, all that craziness. Dot com. Um, so yeah, uh, it went through. This movie was in development for quite a while, about ten years. Uh, oh there, God. there was forty rewrites, um, and at, at a point, seven different directors. Um, Patrick Swayze was supposed to star in it. <laughs> oh man, I love Swayze. Yeah, it would. He he would have been punching people in space and, and dancing. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd be okay with that. <laughs> he'd be a ghost. Yeah. Um, so Sharon Stone got in amazing shape for this role, um, and she actually posed uh, for Playboy after this because she was in such good shape. And girl, if you got it, flown it. Um, she was in. She became an honorary member of the Stunt Women's of Hollywood Association or something like that. Um, but yeah, no, she's badass in this movie. Um, it it pays off, um, and I I like a lot of stuff that Sharon Stone has done. Um, and then finally, did you know that Justin, you've seen Minority Report, right? I have, but Dave and Randy of Geek Legacy would argue that I haven't, because <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't realize Colin Farrell was in that movie. <laughs> oh yeah, you don't like Colin Farrell. <laughs> I just forgot that he was in it, and I didn't realize that. Uh, what's his name? The Tom Cruise was like a drug addict, and his son died. I totally missed like all that. 
Yeah, that's so. So I, <laughs> I really like that movie, and that's actually adapted from Philip K. Dick, also. But um, so that was supposed to be a sequel to Total Recall. It was supposed to be Total Recall Two: Minority Report, and Arnold was supposed to be in it. Um, but things fell through, and they just it didn't work out. And so they went ahead and did that separate story with Cruise, and it still was a really good movie. I mean, Spielberg took it over. Um, it has that huge production value. But I, I really enjoyed that one a lot as well. So sure. those, are, those are my fun facts. Those um, are fun. I yeah, had a good time I, listening to those. <laughs> yeah. So let's, uh, let, me, let me give a quick synopsis for any, any five people on the planet that have not seen this movie. Um, Wait, real quick. Did you, yeah. did you mention that Coca-Cola is the only advertised soft drink on Earth? And then on Mars, we see only Pepsi. ads for Pepsi? Yeah. I didn't, oh, I, didn't, I didn't know that either. That's funny. I did notice the signs. I just didn't think about that. Well, that means Coke is way better. It's far superior to Pepsi. <laughs> like, above and beyond. Um, okay, so, Douglas Quaid is haunted by a reoccurring dream about a journey to, to Mars. <laughs> he hopes to find out more about this dream and buys a holiday at Recall Incorporated, where they sell implanted memories. But something goes wrong with the memory Im- implantation, and he remembers being a secret agent fighting against the evil Mars administrator, Cohagen. Now the story really begins, and it's a roller coaster ride until the massive end of the movie. Thank you, IMDb, for that synopsis. <laughs> that a... Wacky mayhem ensues. <laughs> Wacky mayhem <laughs> ensues. That was written by Harold Mayer, Marvin at bikeaugusta.de. Ooh, he's from Denmark. Mayer. Yeah, I'll run for mayor. <laughs> Goldie Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, laughs aside, this isn't a funny. This isn't a funny movie. It's not a comedy. Just oh. kidding. So, uh, Justin, what are your thoughts on Total Recall? Uh, I love it. Whether I I get it entirely or not, I enjoy it. I think it is a real romp. A laugh out loud riot. Yes, I I love the over the top violence that Verhoeven brings. Um, you know, I don't I don't take his movies too seriously. I. I think they're just a lot of fun, and uh, I enjoy this motion picture show. I love the idea of, uh, I always like older movies' interpretation of what the future is like. (laughs) It always makes me laugh. You know, like in the 70s, everybody wore like either all white or silver, and it was really cool, and everything was like either, even if it was the end of the world, it was still really clean. It's just kind of funny how that works. Um, I like the spaceships. I like the idea of traveling to other planets. I just enjoyed the shit out of this movie. Or like in uh, 2018 where we were supposed to have hoverboards and all that stuff according to Back to the Future. Yeah, it's all lies. Yeah. Um, I agree, man. I completely love this movie. Um, I saw it as a, as a young lad. Um, and I, I didn't fully comprehend it, as I've said before, uh, for different films. But, um, you know, I liked the, the violence and the, the action and stuff. And I was a huge Arnold fan growing up. I still am an Arnold fan. Um, I mean, we did Last Action Hero for one of these podcasts, too. So it's, I, have, I have quite the collection of Arnold films. Um, this one, I think, is, is one of my favorites, though, um, just because it's, it's so well done. Um, and I have a, a list of, I, I tried to narrow it down to just six things we can talk about, but, um, yeah, I'm intrigued to get your thoughts on it too. And we can kind of maybe, um, develop a, a different thought process on it. Um, yeah. So, uh, one thing I want to, can I ask you a question really fast? Yeah. Do you think 
the events that take place after he is put under when he is in recall um, are real? Or do we think it's all a dream? Or are we going to talk about that later? We're going to talk about it later. Because I I think that that's a... (laughs) It's... It's it's a big part of, of, of the plot, but it's also something that I want to get into and, and the reason why this film has such good lasting power. Um, one quick thing I did want to say um, for our Avatar podcast, I you caught me off guard because and I and I'm stupid. I should have thought about this sooner, but I needed stupid. Um, you you asked me what is the criteria what makes a film good, and I realizing what I said, I sounded like a moron. Um, <laughs> You're but, like it's gotta have a fact. <laughs> It's yeah. gotta have some pretty sweet sound. It's gotta. Got, I gotta enjoy it. It's gotta you know, have some, it's gotta have some pizzazz. It's gotta um, have a runtime of 126 minutes. <laughs> you gave all these weird reasons that make okay. a movie good. So, um, I Google search there, and a pretty reputable site, NoFilmSchool.com, um, pretty much narrowed down what I was thinking. Uh, six different things are typically w- uh, what make a film good: script. Character, acting, timing, sound, and visuals. But the top element, which is what I was trying to get at, that can make or break a film and ultimately make it a a good or bad film, uh, is the storytelling. Um, So the script, right? Um, I guess you can add in acting to that too, but how you develop that as a director for the storytelling, that's what can make or break a, a, a film. And that's why we have such... Um, mundane. We have c- certain films that are kind of mundane, but if we have a good director at the helm, it can end up being a really good film. So, unfortunately, I think with Avatar, that's that's where James Cameron missed, um, which is unfortunate because I did I did enjoy the visuals and the sound, and I enjoyed the characters in that in that movie. And they're like, your words are dumb, dude. Yeah. Write better words. Write better words. <laughs> go to go to Trump. He knows all the words. Oh my he's, god. Yeah, he's a moron. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that hurt my heart a little bit. Uh, sorry. All right. So, um, Total Recall. <laughs> the, Justin, I think. I, <laughs> sorry. You're fine. Oh, but this is not a political podcast. Mr. Verhoeven would probably think otherwise, because that would... guy that guy is the king of satire, which leads me into the, my, my first and pretty much uh, glaring reason why this movie is so great. Okay, uh, so I'm glad you mentioned that really fast. I'm sorry to interrupt, but when, yeah. when I watch a satirical film, I immediately thought of like um, Starship Troopers, as you were talking about like the acting and the tone uh, with those, those six amazing things that make a movie great or whatever. Um, I think part of the reason why I love that so much is the charm that Starship Troopers brings uh, with its like over-the-top, silly, ridiculous 90210 acting and super mega hardcore violence. Like I feel like it's trying to show, like, hey, if I make this too serious, people might think I'm trying to you know, work too hard at it. Whereas I feel like when it has that kind of tone, then people can just sit back and relax and enjoy the movie and take it for what it is. Is that weird? No, no. So I, I think that's exactly, and I'm going to talk about that too. That's part of on my list. Um, I think that's exactly that fits the the paradigm that Verhoeven ha- has created. It's it's satire. His films are satire. I mean, we don't have a robotic police officer walking around saying "freeze, punk" and like shooting people. Right. And and, and we're not going to take that serious. We're not like, oh my god, this is this is the future, right? Like. Of course, it has to be over the top and cheesy and and everything. Um, but Justin, curb that for a second, because I, I promise you, I'll get into it. Um, 
All right, put so a, put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. So the reason I like Total Recall so much is because it's the perfect balance of comedic timing in between thought-provoking science fiction narrative mixed with ridiculous and gratuitous violence. Um, it that's definitely that's quite a cocktail you've you've got there. It's but that's what this movie is, is it has so much of that. Um, it's all-encompassing. Uh, this film definitely warrants several viewings, too, in order to solve its, its mystery, like you were asking about. Um, and it's a film that will keep conversation open. Um, so those are my words, and I took, some time, <laughs> I took some time to write those down because it, it really hit me, and it hits me every time I see this, and I have seen this movie several viewings. And... Um, yeah, let's right off the bat just talk about the um, the mystery of is it real, is it not real? Um, I'm okay with either answer, by the yeah. way. So the entire film makes you question the dichotomy of... Ooh, of dichotomy, that's a good word. The reality versus the virtual reality. So the virtual reality being that, that recall um, and, and Quaid's decision to go there, become a secret agent, and, and get his ass to Mars. Um, but we, throughout the film, we, we question is his reality, um, simulation or is the simulation an actual simulation? If that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you think, Justin? Cause there are several clues throughout the film that you can argue for either side. Right. Um, well, I like the idea of it being a dream. Um, it was all a dream because I don't know. It's just one of those things where you know he's an ordinary guy put in an extraordinary situation, and while he does get hurt, he he still kind of wins. <laughs> like I feel like he's he's done the impossible, um, even to the point where he is he's on Earth, and then fast forward, he's on Mars. You know, how many times have you had a dream where? you are just randomly put somewhere and you just kind of go along with it. Like, oh, okay, I guess I guess I remember walking here. <laughs> um, so I kind of like the idea of it being all a dream. I do think it's kind of weird that if he was, a, we'll, we'll call it, a, a, for lack of a better term, a bad guy, you know, working for Cohagen, who got, uh, you know, sort of a, a memory wipe in a way and dumped on Earth, um, implanted with new memories, and then going to recall re-triggered that memory to who he thinks he is and then going into Mars and uncovering It's all like this. It's a whole lot of what-ifs for a mole operation. So to me, it makes more sense if it was just a dream to get him where he needed to be. Right. And uh, just for the sake of this, I can, I, I'm going to argue against that and say that um, it was... Wait, wait, I'm sorry. So you were, you were saying that he was implanted... Yeah, I, I, I was under the impression that he was an agent working for a Cohagen, uh -huh. and, and they went down deep, like super deep undercover, so that he could, uh, to a point where he would try and follow breadcrumbs to get, you know, in with the rebels to reveal mm -hmm. who Kuato was so that they could kill him. But that was all part of the plan. And to me, that's a ridiculous plan that relies on a lot of what-ifs to make it happen. Okay. You know, that's quite a scheme. So are you thinking that the recall worked and the whole premise of this was uh, Quaid was actually, in fact, in, in recall? None of this happened? 
Yeah, I think I think that Douglas Quaid is Douglas Quaid who went to recall and is living out an entire dream sequence as part of his package. Perfectly. Perfect. Okay. And I and I can agree with you on that. But I'm going to disagree with you just for the sake of this. Um, <laughs> okay. And I'll, I'll give <laughs> I'll give you well I'll give you the reasons why. So um, rewatching it is is great because you can pick up on these things. But uh, there was a couple clues for reality that I was I was seeing. So um, at the beginning, um, when Laurie Sharon Stone's character, when Laurie is talking to him and Quaid is explaining how he he's watching the news and he's explaining how he wants to go to mars um and lori is very apprehensive and trying to change his mind she looks at him very awkwardly like in a almost suspicious way mm-hmm. in, in a way that on the second viewing knowing what you know now it makes a, a ton more sense because it's not just a oh you're just being crazy doug it's a you better shut your mouth boy like we don't want you to blow this cover sort of thing um the same thing happens to Harry, his uh, his New Yorker worker friend who's doing construction Harry, with him. Harry, uh, you know, he was the boss. Yeah. <laughs> he he stares at him really, really uncomfortably when Doug explains he, he's going to go to recall. Harry, like, stares at him almost in this ominous way. Um, and that all that's all a precursor to him even going to recall. No, I agree. I so, agree. It just – it wasn't until – you know, for the longest time, I thought that it was reality for him. It wasn't <laughs> until my, my later adult years that I accepted the fact that it... Not a fact, but I accepted the idea that it was all just a dream. Well, yeah. And, and, and I mean, and you can even argue for your side, too. So, like, we were talking... Um, you know the the scene when the doctor comes into the room uh, about midway through the movie and mm-hmm. Quaid, Quaid has a gun on him and he offers him the red pill um, and he he basically says like this will erase your your memories and all that kind of stuff and you'll you'll be brought out of recall um if you listen to that he explains when quaid holds the gun and the doctor gets really angry the doctor explains verbatim what will happen for the rest of the film he says all of the walls will will crash down upon you and you'll be led as a false prophet and whatever um all of that stuff happens which is really, really interesting. I, I'll find the quote as we're talking, but because um, I, I do want to talk about that. Um, and then also, uh, when he is in the when he's getting set up for recall with the the lady with the glasses and the other guy with the glasses, um, you hear very quick. It's like blink, blinker, you'll miss it. You hear him say, "Blue skies on Mars." Oh, that's a that's a first or something like that. So as he's programming uh, Quaid's recall implant. And if you pay attention at the end of the film, there's blue skies on Mars. Right. So to me, that was the most glaring, like, this has got to be a dream thing. Um, uh, for me, I feel like it's, um, you know, let's just say that I watched a movie about sharks or something before I went to bed. And then I fall asleep. It's There's a good chance that there's going to be a shark in whatever dream I'm having. And... When he woke up that day, he's watching the news, and um, Cohagen was on talking about the rebels, and there's all these rebels getting shot, and uh, in Venusville, and all this stuff. And uh, then he's on the train, and he sees the commercial for Recall, and that's when that doctor is there. And then he goes to work, and um, Harry has that conversation with him, 
And all these elements that he had at the beginning in his real-life day found a way into his dream. You know, rebels searching for Kawato and, you know, problems on Mars. I just feel like those are all ingredients to having in your dream sequence. Yeah, and you could have that. Um, I, f- I found the, uh, the quote from Dr. Edgy Armo. Actually. Sure. <laughs> His name is Dr. Edgemar, which is <laughs> nice. <laughs> he's an he's an edgy mar. <laughs> um, so, uh, Quaid, uh, all right, let's say you're telling the truth and this is all a dream. I could pull this trigger and it won't matter. And then Dr. Edgemar says, it won't make the slightest difference to me, Doug, but the consequences to you will be devastating. In your mind, I'll be dead, and with no one to guide you out, you'll be stuck here in permanent psychosis. The walls of reality will come crashing down around you. One minute, you're the savior of the rebel cause. Right? So, he was helping the rebels. Next thing you know, you'll be... Oh, shit. What just happened? Next thing you know, you'll be Kohagen's b- uh, bosom buddy, which happens. We find out that uh, Hauser was working with Kohagen. Um, you'll even have fantasies about alien civil- civilizations as you requested. But in the end, back on Earth, you'll be lobotomized. So get a grip on yourself, Doug, and put that gun down. There you um, go. So uh, there is a... Um, at the end, too, when uh, he kisses... he When Mel asks him to kiss her to prove it's not a dream, um, the screen fades to white instead of fades to black like the light is showing or there has been speculation that he got He's lobotomized. Oh, okay. Well, he got lobotomized. <laughs> um, okay. So I, I found a quote from Paul Verhoeven um, when he was at uh, the Toronto International Film Festival on this and they asked about the ending and he, he was going to make it pretty ambiguous for the most part but he says Total Recall doesn't say whether it's reality or it is a dream, you know. It's really saying there's this reality and that there's that reality. And both exist at the same time. So there's dual realities. Uh, Paul Verhoeven explained in a Canadian hotel room the day after the film screened at TIFF. Because you look at Total Recall, there is never a preference. Let's say, taken by me or the scriptwriter, to say this is really what dream, what he dreams about and this is the truth. So I think he leaves it up for the viewer to, to um, discuss and... and come to their own conclu- conclusions on. And I think that's really, really admirable of, of his work. I think that's great that he was able to do that and to to give the audiences that gift with this movie. I like gifts I can open. I I open that gift all the time. <laughs> um, well, I mean, are you... Do you like that? I absolutely like that. Um, okay. So, like, you and I saw Us, right? And I loved Us. I immediately... I didn't immediately like it, I, I'm sorry. I I liked it a lot when I saw it, like when you and I saw it in the theaters. But I didn't love it until I started discussing it with people because it had infinite conclusions and and ways that you could interpret the the story behind us. And that's kind of like this. I mean, it's not on the same level, but you can definitely have conversation about this movie, and it's it. You'd be really really hard pressed to to call someone out by saying, "Oh, you're wrong in in what you believe in." Like, you're wrong that this was this was a dream sequence for Quaid or something like that. As long as you can prove it um, by what you gathered from it, then I think that's that's Sure. Being incredible. able to speak to it. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, they... So for me, what makes a good movie is one that invokes conversation about the plot and the themes 
And, you know, that's one of, like, in this case, us. You know, as I'm watching it, we're laughing and having a good time. And when, <laughs> when it he was, was on over, the bed. Yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah, I was, <laughs> He's a huge guy. <laughs> big dude. Big dude. And even when uh, the men are all like, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> <laughs> That was, it was fantastic. I was couldn't so stop good. laughing. That was so good. Uh, super good. And, you know, we talked about the movie for like two and a half hours after it was over. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's fantastic. And Total Recall is a movie I've been talking about since 1990. That's, that's a big deal. Um, yeah, it's like I, I listened to different podcasts and was reading stuff about us and I just infinite man infinite there's so many fun things and and yeah like it's it's very david lynch-esque where he holds all the cards and he knows the answers but he's like i just want you to discuss this and and figure it out yourselves and your conclusion will be correct um one thing with with the pills um i think this movie was so influential in terms of science fiction because we see those tropes in other movies so uh justin what's one of the greatest sci-fi movies of all time that involves a red pill <laughs> oh yeah the matrix right so i think the matrix pulled a lot from this where you have a uh so in the book he is a blue collar accountant he's not a jacked construction worker who, <laughs> who is violating so many osha violations um but uh you have this kind of normal blue collar guy who wants something more but doesn't understand that there is a lot more out there and the world's a lot bigger than than what he's doing right there so he has a choice he takes it um and i I guess you could say recall would be his uh his blue pill Um, in an hour he could have total recall yeah (laughs) okay he said it i I know um (laughs) i like it when i say the name of the movie in the movie what was I was watching something the other day too, and they said that, and I was like, "Oh, oh!" They said, it. <laughs> yeah, "Like a Family Guy." When that's why I'm Superman for the quest for peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good um, stuff. And I'll even, take it. Even on movies like Inception, uh, we see this where we accept the the world as it is on a surface level, um, but we don't understand that there could be a lot more. So, like when when Leo takes. Um, Ellen Page uh, into different levels of Inception and explains to her, and it's that really cool, like almost training uh, epiphany scene for her. Um, we get that a lot, and that's that's like this too, where he's essentially woke to what's really going on. Um, it's almost very noir esque, where he's just a normal guy and he's put into these giant circumstances, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that is that's done so well in science fiction films. And I think that this was a precursor to a lot of those more modern day science fiction films. So that's my second biggest reason why I think this movie is, is so good is it's, it has lasting power. Right. So I really, you know, when you mentioned noir, I really like a lot of the parts about it when he's piecing it together, it totally feels like a detective story where he goes to the hotel. He's getting a phone call from a strange guy. He's got to get a briefcase. You know, he's two he's, weeks. Two he's weeks. on the run. People, yeah, exactly. People are chasing after him and he has no idea what's going on. And we're along for the ride to try and figure it out. And we, like him, are completely off base. And I love yep. that. Yeah. And, and I mean, if it can 
this without giving exposition um, explicitly, without telling the audience, okay, here's what's going to happen. Like we're discovering it with Quaid, and so you have to really pay attention to what's going on to, mm-hmm. to, to, to grasp what you can. And if you do miss something, that's unfortunately what you're going to take from this film. And that's, that's, that's fine. You're not wrong. It's just, that's your, that's your narrative that you want to, you want to talk that's, about. That's just like your, your opinion, opinion, man. <laughs> you know, I also like when he um, tests out the penmanship and to see if it's his handwriting on the note that's in the, 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 the little deposit box. Yeah. And that's kind of cool. I didn't remember that part, and I realized, oh, okay, he's doing that to see if, if he's if the one he that actually wrote that. Yeah, that's pretty and cool. That, and that's funny, because then I started writing my name, and I was like, could I replicate that? Because every time I do my signature for things, it, it's like never the same for some reason. Yeah, that's probably true, but there are some letters that yeah. ultimately are the same. Like, like my, my T's and my N's are always the same, regardless of what word I'm writing. Yeah. That that makes sense. So I mean, I can see that, and like my number twos, I always do the same. So, and the, and the top of my eights is never connected. Oh, that's I, weird. I'm terrible at that. Yeah, I don't that's... do like the full top uh, arc. <laughs> so you're it a looks freak, weird. man. I know. It looks more like a ribbon than a than an eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, like okay. one you would wear, <laughs> like to support <laughs> something. <laughs> um... You know, that'll just not. Another thing I wanted to talk about, Justin, is um, Quaid has a part in this movie where he says, I feel like I was destined for something more. And we see that a lot in movies. I mean, so many movies portray that message of, I was meant for something more, I have a destiny, all that. Um, No way, dude, you're just a construction worker. (laughs) But my question is, what what if we really aren't meant for more? Um, What what do we do? Do you, Justin, do you believe in, in destiny? Um, I don't. Okay. Neither life, do I. L- life is what you make of it, man. Right. Um, Which is unfortunate because some people are put in, they're born into horrible situations, and it's hard to say, well, it's up to you to get out of it, because, I mean, how would I know if I was born into a privileged life? Yeah. So... I don't believe in destiny, but I do believe in achieving dreams and goals. And so I think that people who just rely on destiny, like how Quaid was thinking, he he wasn't willing to work for it. And I think it's funny because it's kind of a microcosm for the world we live in now. And who would have known that Paul Verhoeven was telling such a satirical tale that would end up becoming essentially true. I mean, he was a man before his time. Um, Is you know, he dead? What? I don't Is think so. Oh, okay. No, no. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's still alive. <laughs> he just did a movie like a little while ago. Showgirls. Oh, yeah. With Jesse Spano. Um, yes! Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's still alive. She's yeah, Jesse Spano, man. She's a babe. Um, so the, uh, you know, we rely on our technology materials so much, um, that we, it'll even cause us to lose sight of what's real, um, and give us like false conceptions on our life's path. Um, so Quaid, instead of attaining those, those dreams of going to Mars by busting his ass, collecting his space dollars, doing whatever he needs to do to get to Mars, he's just like, I'm going to go to recall. 
because it's it's easier, it's quicker. I don't actually have to go there. I can tell people I went there. I can put my picture on Instagram and get a bunch of likes, and people will be like, damn, that's awesome, right? Right. He can then call himself a traveler. So I think that's, that's what I'm getting at is you, you have to do. And calling yourself something, like if I – so I'm a traveler, right? I'm a world traveler. I'd Go say that. Traveler. <laughs> I say that, and not in the sense of, oh, I flew over a few countries. I know I've been to those countries. I've put my feet on the ground. I've traveled city to city. So I am a traveler. Um, a lot of people want that, that title and want to be called that, but aren't willing to put in the work or actually do said thing to become that. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. So if, if Quaid wanted to be a construction worker... <laughs> But all he did nothing was, wrong with that, by the way. <laughs> all he did was go buy some Carhartts and and a couple uh, Timberland boots, a couple pairs of Timberland boots. I mean, is he a construction worker if he has not really? Because he, he doesn't even have a hard hat. There we go. See, um, and <laughs> I ask if he's lazy because instead of trying to ascertain his destiny, he uh, he takes that easy way out for recall for that that quick fix essentially. Right. Um, and I think that recall is funny because it's, it's um, a way that vacations are supplementing our need to pioneer or explore, um, essentially limiting us from actually doing the thing. And, and I used the Instagram um, example earlier. Uh, people vicariously live through other people's experiences. So when I, when I went to... Um, Europe a few years back and I posted these pictures I mean I had a bunch of Facebook friends who were like oh I wish I could do that and I'm like but you can like y you need to just go out and do it you shouldn't just say oh I'm going to look at this picture and I, I'm destined to get to France someday right maybe I'll just go to recall and go to France like no you can do it there's, there's only limitations that you're setting yourself um, so I think that uh, Verhoeven brings that up though too in this and I think he that was a, a very good social commentary he was trying to to pin on uh, society I guess by the the cautions of of technology and and us being so reliant on it all right that's fair I mean I would argue that he is definitely lazy I mean he goes to recall instead of just going on a shuttle Oh no no! I I think Quaid I think Quaid is very lazy. That's what I'm. That's what yeah. I was getting. At. No, I know. I'm saying. Yeah, you're you're. I, I said I, I would argue. I'm sorry. I would agree oh. that Quaid is uh, <laughs> very 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 lazy. Agree and argue are quite different, yeah. but they sound pretty he wants, similar. <laughs> he wants to. I know. I, I'm sorry. I'm just fucking losing my train of thought. This movie. Um, <laughs> to the point where he would rather just go to Mars before he comes home for dinner, kind of thing. It's like, how long is this whole process supposed to take? Where he is put under, and does his little mission, and then comes home. It's it's one of those things where he wasn't going to tell his wife. He didn't tell her where he was going. He was he was keeping it a secret. He's creeping. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where if, if you keep it a secret, then it's probably a bad thing that you're doing. Yes. You know, secret he's... secrets are no fun. Secret secrets hurt someone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 no tats. <laughs> oh god, um, that's funny. Uh, I love the the office reference. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, 
here's a guy that is so maybe he's just bored with his marriage. You know, he's dreaming about a different woman. He yeah. nightly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he dreams about her every night. You know, which is crazy because Sharon Stone is gorgeous. Maybe it's a midlife crisis because you know he wants to. He wants to move to Mars, and she's like, what are you talking about, dude? Who the fuck wants to go to Mars? It's red, and you can't breathe. Um, <laughs> do I have to go on? <laughs> you know, and uh, I think he's just bored with his life to the point where that's why he goes to recall. I mean, I get that he has this feeling to want to go to Mars. You know, I I was drawn to Washington when I came here. And I, I believe that there's there's some sort of, you know... I don't know. Power is the right word, but there's there are these vibes that you get that make you want to go a certain direction in life. And yeah. I was very much drawn to Washington, and I felt that I had to come here in order to can just to be to exist. And I think that's totally fair. So if 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 there is an opportunity for space travel and to go to Mars, and he felt that he had to go there, then then so be it. I do believe that there is some sort of underlining power that can guide you in some way. Some folks go to church. Some folks, you know, have their 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 body as their temple, and they trust in their <laughs> instincts and their body. But uh, I I do think that we as humans sometimes need or have this this will or desire that can overtake us. Yeah, and um, I think it's interesting. Uh, after rewatching it, um, there is a scene, you know, when they show the um, tra- or the commercial for Recall. Later on in the movie, when he's on Mars, they actually show a commercial for space travel, and they talk about how it's very affordable and it's the real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a fun juxtaposition too that they kind of added in there. Um, so, like we said earlier, uh, Starship Troopers is one of your favorite movies. Um, and along with that Robocop and this, um, we can easily say that there is a gratuitous amount of violence. Um, I think it is a director trademark of Verhoeven's, but I think that it's not just violence for the sake of adding blood and, and shoot up gunshots and all that. Um, I think he, he adds a lot of satire to his stories with that. And he takes things, like you were saying earlier, not so serious. Um, I think it fits his whole tone of this um, gigantic futuristic world. Because all of them are future settings. Futuristic world where all these things are happening. Um, it just fits the mold. Right. Uh, you know, it, like Westerns of old, it, it, it's a type of trope um, that makes it a staple in film culture uh, with with Arnold having gratuitous action violence and cheesy one-liners especially, but Verhoeven using that incredible amount of, of over-the-top violence where we get so desensitized to it where arms will get ripped off and bodies get ripped in half and we're just kind of like, oh, like, next thing, right? Right. Um, this yeah, is he, in- he's literally, it's like, Art imitating life, imitating art. Yeah. <laughs> it's like well, one of those things. Like this guy, David Starrett, two R's, two T's, said, you know, Paul Verhoeven lets brainless violence and tricky special effects swamp the cleverness of the tale itself. He's exactly who he's... This guy, this critic, is why Verhoeven made the movie the way that he did. Yes, exactly. Like, he... 
he can still create a great story, but still add his own trademark to it. And um, I think it's him kind of just giving the middle finger to to the ratings boards and and and, and, <laughs> and corporations. David yeah, because <laughs> this like this movie was made in 1990, right? So it had an X rating, which is like the worst you can you can get, like the most dangerous you can get for a film. And they had to change some scenes. There's, I mean, there's an erect penis in this movie. <laughs> it's a CGI penis. It's a That's how one. you get an X rating: is an erect Qu- penis. Quato is actually a penis. <laughs> um, Open so. Your- Urethra. Open your mind. <laughs> um, but in 1990, this amount of violence was unheard of. Um, so they had to trim down some things and make some very subtle edits in order to get it to a rated R setting. Now, if this movie were to come out nowadays, Justin, yeah, this movie would schools. It would be a PG-13 movie <laughs> at at most because that's how desensitized the violence we are. And Verhoeven knew this he knew this in 1990 that's why we see we see such over-the-top violence everywhere where it's just a part of everyday life i like going on the escalator and the poor guy with the backpack is just getting filled with holes (laughs) so that is that was the that was the scene that the reason that they had a uh, that it was rated x because that scene is brutal like that guy just gets completely annihilated all the squibs that you know get shot into him the, the holes are huge on him and the blood is just it's ridiculous <laughs> like yeah. that's that's not what bullets do but um i mean this poor guy's getting shredded and then to add insult to injury ironside and then the really weird white-haired guy with the glasses they <laughs> yeah. they, they run over they run over him like they step on him as as yeah. he's on the ground i'm like jesus you had to show that <laughs> yeah um, it's pretty bad but i mean the way that they can do those cuts is you know just not focusing on those wounds as much as they are you know it's it's only on it for one second instead of mm-hmm. three seconds you know stuff like that yeah it's pretty it's pretty funny and 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 along with the the violence that that he that verhoven uh, verhoven uses in this film um you know, he adds a stylish and unapologetic blend of like CGI. Um, they also use uh, small-scale models, um, practical effects, tons of practical effects. Um, actually, and I need to get it right because I always forget his name. Um, but Justin, have you seen the thing? Yes, I know, and I was I was just being facetious there um, because I know that you have. So uh, the makeup one is that. Uh, Rob Bowden. Uh so he did all of the um special effects for the thing and he is he he actually put himself in the hospital because he worked so many hours doing all the practical effects for the 1979 1982 version of The Thing, um, which is one of my other favorite movies. Um, I really, really liked all the the practical effects in this. I loved, um, you know, we had the, the head scene when Arnold takes the the head off the two weeks. Like, that yeah. was so cool. That was a blend of CGI with practical effects. Um, we get the uh, Cueto when we first get a see him on that guy's stomach and he comes out in a weird kind of puppet animatronic thing uh really really cool stuff going on here in this film and i i highly applaud it at one point david cronenberg was actually supposed to direct this film so i mean imagine how grotesque this movie would have been if cronenberg got his hands on it oh man like so it, it just real cool blend of all that stuff in it but verhoeven is isn't afraid to use that and um i think that satirical violence um has its place in this 
and it just fits the mold of of his style of filmmaking. Um, do you want to know more? Always. <laughs> Starship Troopers reference. Yeah. <laughs> um, I always like the news in, in Verhoeven's so movies. So perfect, because that's exactly what I was going to ask next. Um, he utilizes his other director trademark of fake news um, to deliver important exposition. Uh, why do you think he uses this in each of these films? I don't know. Tell me. No, I'm actually like asking you. Oh, I thought it was like setting me up. No, it's like not a, like a knock, like a knock knock joke. Oh yeah, orange. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I think that you know it's sort of representing what we watch on the news. Like you know, they'll say you know thirty people were just got their heads chopped off, and uh, it was amazing, and they're all <laughs> smiling and having a good time. <laughs> and now here's a picture of a dog on water skis. Yeah, like. I mean, it's the news that literally desensitizes us. Absolutely. You know, we, we talk about movies and the violence in movies when you don't even have to go to the motion picture show to watch the violence. It's right there every night at 6 o'clock on our news. And, yeah. it's, and it's literally being transmitted into our homes, and we're blaming the movies when it's happening in real life. Nope. You're exactly right. And... And he knew that before this. I mean, again, in the in the late '80s and '90s, he was exploiting this. Um, it's it's a great narrative narrative device uh, to his his stories to show the desensitization to violence, and it's just an everyday occurrence. I mean, in so in Total Recall, when he's watching, when Quaid is watching the news at breakfast, when he's eating and drinking his weird oatmeal protein shake thing, um, they talk about how these these terrorists on Mars are shutting down one of the mining operations and then they get the next scene is is, is live footage of them getting shot up shot by up. police <laughs> like like it's like it's nothing right and they're 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 painted as as bad guys they're painted as terrorists even though they're the ones who are oppressed they're the ones who are the mutants who their oxygen oxygen is getting controlled by uh Cohagen for profit um i mean they were the they're the pepsis of the world like pushed aside always and um it's it's just it, that's that's what we see happen on the news all the time and like you're and, saying and it's one-sided you know the yeah, rebels are the bad guys they're it, they're fighting for air and they're the bad guys it's incredibly one-sided mm-hmm. um it shows you know the ideology and propaganda um and how these these bugs are planted into our brains or these ideas are planted into our brains that these are terrorists, these are the bad guys. Right. Um, you know, um, we feed off of these false realities and take them as truths and that can be really damaging and I think that that's something that, that's a big reason I don't watch the news um, because I don't like how sensationalized certain stories are. Um, I like... I think news should be um, non-biased, which, well, which is it's, impossible. It's, it's going to be, yeah. The only unbiased news are box scores. Box scores? Yeah. Like, like sports? From, yep. <laughs> That's the only unbiased news that there is. Um, Trust me. I took millions of classes in college on media ethics. <laughs> I took The only I, unbiased <laughs> journalism our box scores. I took a University of Phoenix online class. <laughs> um, no, I can that makes tell sense. you that right now. <laughs> that is a one hundred percent true. Yeah. The only unbiased journalism is box scores. And and I mean, 
um, I, I'll use Starship Troopers as an example. Um, I think that that movie is so brilliant when you when you actually look at it um, as an as a as a brilliant piece of filmmaking because Paul Polly Boy he uses it as a propaganda piece, a satirical propaganda piece uh, to basically recruit soldiers to this new federation or whatever. Yeah. If if it was a real thing, um, federation needs you. That's why the whole "Do you want to know more?" and the "We're doing our part by stomping on bugs and stuff" that is very, very World War II esque media. Yep. Um, and I think it's so cool how he does it. Um, we accept those those realities as we accept those uh, false realities as truths from the news, rather than seek those truths ourselves. And we're spoon fed that. Um, we're spoon fed what we think to be real. Um, to serve someone else's agenda. So, what is it? Como, Como News, I think, uh, the local news station up here, they're owned by like the Sinclair Group or whatever. I don't know if you, you saw this or not, but they basically put out a statement um, that was the exact same, and each news station read it verbatim, where it's like, we, they're claiming they have their own opinions on things, and they promise to bring unbiased news, yet every news station was reading this exact same statement. <laughs> um, so that's, that's a big reason why we have to heed, heed with caution on, on news watching and, and news headed. stories. <laughs> headed. Nobody headed. Nobody headed. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think that's, that's fun that he uses it. Uh, in RoboCop, they also use it to show the ever-growing concern of consumerism. Um, I'd buy that for a dollar and everything else that was in there, like all the all the fake ads that were in there. Um, Verhoeven uses this as a cautionary tale for consumerism, um, which I think you could say takes place also in, in Total Recall, uh, where Cohagen is just basically on Mars to make a profit to sell air to people. Literally, literally nothing that you can control, he's trying to sell it. Right. How much would you pay for air? <laughs> I mean, what kind of air are we talking about here? <laughs> the, the gourmet expensive stuff. Are we talking about Mexico City <laughs> air? Or are we talking about Seattle air? Oh, man. It's like uh, we can can it, like in uh, Spaceballs. There you go. Harry air. Speaking of, uh, I'd buy that for a dollar. Uh, Robocop was written by Edward Neumeyer. And I actually, yeah. I actually got to interview him once uh, with Casper Van Dien celebrating the <laughs> 20th anniversary of Starship Troopers. And... Yeah, we talked about that line. Like, you know, like did, you, did you have any idea that this is going to be one of those things that people are going to say forever now? <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. I think that's so cool. I think it's cool, too. Um, I think it's so interesting, though, too. I mean, like, <laughs> um, he. I, what else has he done, Edward Neumeyer? Uh, he also uh, wrote Starship Troopers. I mean, he adapted it, anyway. Well, yeah. I mean, that's why you're interviewing him, CVD. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that those minds, they, they, had a, they knew a lot more than, than what was presented back then. And, and I think they were way ahead of their time because, like you were saying earlier, these 80s, 90s films given this bleak outlook on what our future looks like, they aren't that far off from what has actually been happening. Um, call that chance or call that they just fucking knew exactly what they were doing. I think it's it's so brilliant when that when that comes out, and I, I look back on these, and I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> it's kind of a revelation. 
Maybe they're time travelers. And Maybe they, they are. That's not cheating. Kind of. Is. <laughs> got, they got the, the Great Sports Almanac. <laughs> Biff Tannen style. Go with Biff Tannen. <laughs> so, um, you have seen a couple Arnold movies in your time, have you not? Yes. All right. So, Most uh, all of them. Pretty much everything before Total Recall was just essentially a grunt and a stabby stabby film for Arnold, where he would just be muscle bound, shoot people up, use his one liners, um, have no real depth to his characters. Uh, in Twins, though, I would <laughs> argue that Twins is a super mega hysterical movie, and I love the shit out of that movie. And I liked seeing Arnold in a comedic performance. It was sort of a fish out of water, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, um,. The guy that actually played um, Coato in Total Recall was also... His name is Marshall Bell. He was also in Twins. And Starship Troopers, for that matter. I remember him in Starship Troopers. Yeah. Um, he's, the, he's the bad guy in, in Twins. <laughs> so, so I think Twins and Total Recall is when you really get to start seeing Arnold um, actually break out of his you know Predator, Commando, uh, Conan roles. Where and he's Kindergarten just... Cop, too. That was after Total Recall, but same year. But I don't think that Kindergarten Cop had had the same um, effect. Because, yeah, that was... It was, you're right. It was 1990. It didn't have the same effect like Total Recall. I mean, Arnold was able to spread his wings more, um, which ultimately led to a more diverse career with his acting talent. Um, He's actually an incredibly smart man. He graduated from college. He was... was (laughs) Your mom goes to college. No shit. Oh, I think she does actually. Um, he uh, he graduated from college. He was a successful real estate, um, I think, agent before his bodybuilding career actually made him incredibly famous, or his acting career made him incredibly famous. He's a world class athlete. All these different things, right? So he was able to explore the acting talent a little more. Um, one thing that I I liked in Total Recall was. It's very easy with Arnold. I mean, the first thing you think of Schwarzenegger is you think of his biceps. You think of him being this yeah. this burly, huge man, right? Yeah. That was uh, that was under that uh, was weird. That was <laughs> underplayed underplayed very much so in Total Recall, uh, just by costume choice alone. I mean, the whole time he's wearing long sleeves, baggier clothing. You rarely get to see him a with towel a seat. On his head. Yeah, that was so ridiculous. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, just get a get a wet towel and wrap it around, and there we go. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. They're not gonna follow you anywhere. <laughs> um, they uh, they they don't have to worry about making him look like this brooding huge guy. There's no scene where his shirt gets ripped off and he has to shoot a gun. You know, like a a glory scene. Um. None of that happens in this movie, and I think that that's really cool because they let Arnold's acting actually shine through a little bit. Now, I'm not saying he's the greatest actor in the world, not even by a long shot, but um, he does do a lot better in this film. And we get to then see it later on um, in other films like True Lies um, and Terminator 2, even like Collateral Damage um, like in the 2000s. That was, that was still a pretty good movie. Yeah, um, that movie got delayed after uh, 9-11. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I think a lot of movies actually got delayed because of that, it or was, just... it was already finished. They just they just delayed the release because of nine eleven. 
Oh, there was all, and, and then other movies from like school shootings and stuff got delayed and pushed back because we live yep. in a sick fucking world, man. Yeah, we do. Um, also, you know, we pointed out that you know, Dan, or I'm sorry, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger did Twins and Kindergarten Cop, right? Um, what's interesting is that Sylvester Stallone, who's also an action star, around that same time started doing comedy as well. In 1991, he did Oscar. In 92, he did Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. That movie's awful. (laughs) Yeah, that's just it. Stallone, he might be funny in real life, but the comedy movies that he's making, they were both flops. Oscar and Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Whereas uh, Schwarzenegger uh, did pretty well for his comedy movies. Even Jingle All the Way. I love Jingle uh, All the Way. Yeah, that, uh, that made some monies. My wife's cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my cookies. Those are my cookies. <laughs> oh, sorry, Nick. <laughs> the Turbo Man doll. <laughs> the Turbo Man doll. <laughs> Anywho, I just I thought that because those two actors sort of had a parallel careers and um I think it's fascinating that they both tried comedy and one was successful at it while the other was not. No, I agree. Um let's uh let's talk about bit, I mean that's all I really have in terms of of why this movie is so great. Uh I think that it's Well, let me read this quote really quick actually. Um this was from the the book We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. Um so Quail who is Quaid in this. They changed his name from Oh, this is another fun trivia fact. Um the main character in the book is named Douglas Quail, but since this was made in 1990, um, Bob Dole's VP was oh. Quail. So they didn't. Yeah, Dan want, Quail. Yeah, Dan Quail. So they didn't want it to look conflicting <laughs> or have any have any on the nose agenda. So they changed it to Quaid, which I thought was funny. And Doug um, Bunny was Quail Man. <laughs> Quail Man. <laughs> um, so uh, Quail says, you know, was this the answer? After all, an illusion, no matter how convincing, remained nothing more than an illusion, at least objectively. But subjectively, quite the opposite entirely. So, Justin, with when we were talking about the the dream versus the reality, and then what Verhoeven was quoted at Tiff saying, I don't necessarily think that it's it's a it's a them or us sort of thing. It's it's both realities could be real depending on 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 what you believe to be real, depending on what you're looking at. His his virtual reality, his dream world, could be reality to him. Or vice versa. I mean, I think that that alone is so freaking cool to think about. Because what's to say what's real or not? And we, we this is explored more so in The Matrix, right? Where, uh, what's his name? Cyrus? When Cyrus is eating that steak in that, in that scene with um, Agent Smith. And he talks about, I know that this steak is, is artificial, it's fake or whatever. But it still tastes amazing to me. Are we in a simulation? What's not in a simulation? I mean, that, those are the kind of questions it poses. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to it. But it's definitely that woke mentality of, I think some funny stuff's going on here, Lucy. Got some explaining to do. I feel like our dreams are like that all the time. With you know, Regardless of how silly it is, when I'm asleep, I think that whatever is happening is, is real. Like when you get and, your nocturnal emissions? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? Like, regardless of what's happening, even Inception talks about it. Like, this, this train doesn't belong here. I didn't magically teleport here, but 
for whatever reason, my, bl- my brain is playing tricks on itself, and I really feel like I'm here. I had a dream one time that Danny DeVito and I were on the... Or no, Joe Pesci and I were running from Michael Myers once. Okay, 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 okay. And okay, I, okay. Thought, I thought it was totally real. <laughs> and what the hell am I doing hanging out with, with Joe Pesci and Michael Myers? You know what you I mean? Were, it's kind of weird. You were eating grits. Yeah. <laughs> That's... No, and I've I've had I've had dreams where I've woken up and I've been like, oh my god, I had to check something to make sure it actually didn't happen. Like I'd text somebody, be like, hey, did I piss you off or something? And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, okay, I just thought that that was so real. Um, but I love that idea because what's to say that that wasn't real? What if that was something that happened in a past life or something <laughs> that's going to happen in the future? Right. Um, what if we're clairvoyant? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna choose not to believe that. But when you were talking about. You know, wh- who's to say what's reality and, and, you know, what's real or not. I was thinking of Royal Tannenbaum's when when uh, Owen Wilson's like, well, everyone knows that Custer died at Little Bighorn. What this book presupposes is maybe he didn't. It's <laughs> 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 totally what I thought of. Like, yeah. Give me a break. It is what it is. But for me, Total Recall is uh, begins a dream sequence the moment he... Uh, falls asleep in the chair at recall. Get off me! I'm an agent! <laughs> You're going to blow my cover! <laughs> and that guy, Doug's like, use your head, you dumb bitch! <laughs> <laughs> Dang, get HR on the phone! <laughs> no. Let's talk about those phones really quick. Those were so weird. Why? What was the point of having a video phone when it was facing a window, when all she had to do was look in through the window and talk to him on the phone? <laughs> so he goes dumb. into the next room. I think that's part of showing the laziness of technology. Oh, you know, so it's, lazy. It's just like in Spaceballs well, when he I goes say, to get yeah. beamed, and then he's like, forget it, forget it, no more beaming. Yeah, so this the, time the, I'm going to walk. And the reliance. Yeah, the reliance of technology. I yeah. use the I use the Mark Cart example um, at like grocery stores and stuff. I mean, yes, Mark Carts are there for people who actually need them. But I mean, man, I'll see people who use them that do not need to use them, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, you can't walk. <laughs> so um, it's we we do rely on 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 those things a little too much sometimes. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I thought that was good. Uh, this movie did blend a lot of really good CGI, like I was saying. Um, that cool scene when he's running through the subway and you get the, the fun. It looks campy now because of our advancements in CGI. Um, but, you know, you have a 30-year-old movie, essentially. And uh, when he's running through and it shows his x-ray for the skeleton and, and the gun is there, that was cool. Like, that was yeah. really cool. Um, and I still think my favorite scene was when um, the two weeks, two weeks, when the, the hedge opens up and then he takes it off and throws it at the, the guards. That was yeah. so cool to see. And I remember seeing that as a kid. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> Why is this big lady doing this? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, don't, yeah. I don't quite get why her, why the, the head malfunctions. Um, yeah, I think because he programmed, so he only programmed one sane into it, two weeks, and I think he was trying to override that, because then you see him, he's like, Trish! like he's trying to say something different, but that's all he can say, and then I think it just kind of went haywire. Um, I mean, it was a good distraction, though, because he got away, um, but true. but Iron Eagle almost killed him. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Chappie, he's only got three days. You keep talking, you're gonna use one of them. <laughs> oh, Lewis. Um, the uh, what is that guy's name? The guy who is 
Ironside's um, Richter's buddy, the blonde, like the white-haired guy with the glasses who has the GPS toy gun. Uh, his name is Helm in the Helm. In there the you movie. go, Michael Champion Helm. Um, the part when when Quaid gives the tracking device to the to the the rats. And then they're running around. Helm is so goddamn trigger happy. They run in, and he's like, there, and just shoots. <laughs> Looks over to the right, he's like, there, and they all shoot. Immediately again, like, there. Like, he is so trigger happy. <laughs> Has he never fired his gun in the field? I mean, uh, <laughs> like, he's just blindly shooting shit. Um, and then we get that, get you after Maz, that famous line from it. He doesn't, um, uh, he's not working anymore. He's not? Mm-mm. Maybe they're like we just we just can't have you shooting at everything. <laughs> <laughs> you're a little just... too trigger, you're a little too trigger happy there, <laughs> champion. <Go on. laughs> Stop shooting at everything. <laughs> um, I what is your favorite one-liner from this movie? Because there are some pretty good one-liners from Arnie and from some other people in this. Sure, uh, I like uh, consider the, the divorce. <laughs> Consider this a divorce. <laughs> it sounds like he has such a, a hard time saying that that it cracks me up. Uh, and then I also like uh, see you at the party, Richter. That one's that one's my favorite. See you at the party, Richter. And he just throws his arms like. But it's it's cool because they underplayed the grotesque violence that just occurred <laughs> with something. So, with he's he's holding on to a guy's two fucking arms. <laughs> That just got completely ripped off in one of the, the most gruesome deaths in the film. And he, he's just, like, laughing about it, essentially. Like, I thought that that was so good. Um, I also really liked when he kills Benny with the drill. And he's like, hey, yeah. Benny, screw you! Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> that one was really good, too. Um, I also like uh, when he starts laughing. He's like, you think this is the real Quaid? It, it is. is. And then he shoots them all. Yeah, that was good, too. That was cool, too, though, because, like, the, the fun technology, and this is why I love sci-fi films, because you can add really cool things in that, uh, where they played around with that. And that was really, that was a, a definite advantage, two against 30 guys, right? They were able mm -hmm. to use this hologram to, to trick to trick them. Um, and, yeah, you think this is a real quick? It is. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but, but could you imagine Swayze delivering that? I don't think it would be as good. I mean, you have to have Schwarzenegger carries these one-liners, and you have to have them in his films. I, I mean, I think they're an important part of his his repertoire of, of of the films that he makes. You want the ultimate? You have to yeah. be willing to pay the ultimate price. <laughs> what is that from? To uh, Point Break. That's right. We should do Point Break. That movie's fucking awesome. I know, but I think we need to do a movie that we haven't seen in a while that maybe isn't as as famous because stop or your mom will see. No. <laughs> Do you know that Arnold, um, I, I read this somewhere loosely, um, Arnold was planning on making a movie that was kind of cheesy and shitty like that, and Stallone didn't want to be one-upped, so he made that movie, but it turns out that it was all a ruse, and Arnold basically ended up making Stallone do that movie, uh, and, and he knew it was going to flop, oh. and Arnold was kind of like, gotcha, bitch, so, <laughs> I know. Did you, uh, do you like Demolition Man? Um... It's been a really long time. I always used to get that one confused with Judge Dredd. Um, oh my god! All, all I remember is Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like uh, Demolition Man. I think it's great. That's a good one to do. Well, maybe Just throwing that out there. Um, or the yeah. new Dread. The new Dread's really good. I like I, ha I haven't seen the new Dread, so I'd be down for that. Oh shit! Yeah. 
That's a good one. We you should that. pick that one. <laughs> I'll pick whatever I want. Have you so, seen Have you seen Copland? Sorry, I just I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. That that I one's like actually that one, so yeah. so it's it's fun when a a typecast actor gets a role that you can see that they put their heart and soul into, and they really do show their acting chops. Yeah, uh, he, he gained thirty pounds of fat in that movie. And and he played such a broken, battered down man who refused to quit. And I I really liked that. Um, Ray Liotta was awesome in it too. Harvey Keitel was really good in it. Um, I think that uh, those types of films are fun, and I think that's why why acting is is so cool because you can you can start with something where yeah you, you can you're, make believe <laughs> you were you were hired on to be this muscle bound steroid freak and and we're putting you in this role where you can really show your range and arnold's had some roles like that i i would say that stallone has probably had better roles i mean i immediately look at creed um for stallone oh, where i, like I his best ever i think he deserved that best supporting actor award and he got snubbed um he did phenomenal in that role um, I, I think Arnold could get to a point like that. I just don't know if he's necessarily found a role like that. But did you see that zombie movie that he did? Uh, Hannah was it called Hannah? Maggie or... maybe. Maggie. Know. Yeah. No, I heard that one was supposed to be really good. Um, I just didn't. I didn't watch it. It That's wasn't really went on with you. <laughs> wasn't really on my list of things I needed to do there. But yeah. Um, Overall, though, I mean, as you can you can basically see, I fucking love this movie, and I pretty much gave you some solid enough reasons why uh, it was so good to me. Um, and I, I hope that people give it another chance if they haven't seen it yet. <laughs> so give it a first chance. <laughs> yeah, aside from the spaceship shots, uh, most of it holds up pretty well. Are you just talking about just the sheer effects of those? Yeah, they're, like, they're uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you're. <laughs> it's funny because it feels like some of these movies, they had a, a limited budget for certain things. And so um, it definitely shines through. Like, you're like, oh, look at all this awesome CGI. And then all of a sudden, uh, the background is just a matte painting. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. god damn it. <laughs> yeah. even, even Aliens is like that when, when their ships are landing on planets and stuff. And it's just going so slow. And it looks so cheeseball. I would almost prefer that they never showed that exterior shot. If they just, I would prefer that they just kept it all interior. That's true. Um, but we do get some pretty awesome, like I was saying, with the uh, practical effects. We get the really awesome an iconic scene of them going out into the Mars atmosphere and their heads almost exploding with their mm-hmm. eyes popping and stuff. And I mean, if you Google Arnold eyes, that would probably be the first image. <laughs> the googly pop. eyes. It's, it's crazy. Um, so, so cool. Uh, and, then, and then it reverses effect when they get air. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't have like permanent face damage. No. My mom used to yell at me staring in front of a mirror making faces. She said it would freeze like that. I'm like, no way, dude. And Arnold Schwarzenegger was out in space and he's fine. <laughs> no big deal. It's like a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Cool. I think it would have been cooler if at the end of the movie they're making out with those ugly faces. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> They're just licking each other's eyes, and it would be awesome. And they're like, hey, what heard you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should mention, too, that um, I, I... Oh, my God. Never mind. I don't want to mention it. I changed my mind. I forgot her name. Who? Tac- Tactone or whatever. Rachel Ticotin. Yeah. Rachel Ticotin. She 
was a badass in this movie too. She was really I, good. I am a big fan of a strong female lead, and well, uh, she brought the pain. Her and Lori. I mean, and they didn't have a cat fight. Like they didn't when they fought. It wasn't a no, cat fight. Were, it, yeah, they were beating the shit out of each other. They were kicking each other. They were actually bruising each other. There was actually quite a few injuries because most of the people did their own stunts for this, um, and so there was quite a few injuries by people just because they were kicking each other in the balls and then and the boobies and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, no, it was. I mean, I think that's a pretty good hallmark of an action film too. When they can do their own stunts. Oh wow! Uh, if you look at IMDb, there's a picture of Sharon Stone as one of the first pictures. Dude, she's in great shape. She's mm-hmm. all ripped in it. Good yeah. job. Their their fight scene was pretty badass. Their their kicks are are like one million on the Scoville scale. <laughs> Scoville scale. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be I'll be home in time for cornflakes. There's a there's a lot of heat on them kicks. Um, cool man. Is a million is a million hot? What it's, is that? It's hot. It's very it's hot. Okay. <laughs> do, you, do you have anything else to add to to our? I don't think so. It's a good movie. I like it. I think it's a lot of fun watching it Christmas time. Ooh, uh, real quick, did you watch? Were you able to get your hands on the unedited edition at all? No, I looked at my Blue Rage, and it was just a regular. I have the mind-bending edition, which I think just has some bonus features, um, but it's not the unedited. I guess there's the only difference, like I'm saying, in the unedited was there was a few extra seconds of violence, um, and then like for the human shield scene, and then I think when Thumberlina, when she stabs um, Helm, she stabs him in the gut as opposed to the chest, because I think in the in the released version he's stabbed in the chest, and I don't know why that really makes no. a difference. But, well, the the camera shot made it look like it was going for his stomach. Yeah, because then, then it shows was, his like super mega reaction of yeah. like, oh my god, that was the worst. I just got stabbed. His reaction of there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm seriously <laughs> loved every minute of it. Um, so I have a list of movies that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering, have we done a comedy yet? Um, I don't think so. What do you want to do? The Burbs. Do you think? It, oh, I love I love the burbs. Do you think a comedy would be good to do for this? Because the thing I was thinking of is if we did a comedy, I know that humor has changed. So, like, I was thinking about Austin Powers this morning, right? Mm-hmm. Austin Powers, I used to think was so funny, but there's a lot of campy, like, toilet humor in it. And right, so I, I don't think Austin is funny, but I think Doctor Evil's funny. Doctor Evil's very funny, but I think that there's a lot of just garbage jokes in it mm-hmm. and i'm wondering if because i haven't seen that movie in so long i'm wondering if something like that would warrant a second viewing or something like ooh, the big hit that's good <laughs> <laughs> these guys mean businesses businesses <laughs> detroit rock city i I, actually, I, I like detroit rock city. I, I love that movie though too um i like how they never gave his name to win the tickets <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I know. He so just funny. yells, and then <laughs> yeah. he hangs up. He's like, "What kind of moron would hang up for kiss tickets?" <laughs> that was funny. That uh, made me laugh. You know, I've never seen Masters of the Universe. Oh, I fucking love that movie. I mean, it's terrible. I love everything about He Man and the idea of having this beautiful world of Eternia for about four minutes on screen, and then they go to Earth. That's uh, that says something. All I remember is is the bald guy has a shotgun in it. Yeah, Lubick. From uh, Back to the Future. Yeah. 
Over the top. That's a comedy. Over the top. <laughs> Over the top would be good. You can't mess with Lincoln Hawk, man. Uh, um, Suburban Commando. Um, it was terrible. I know. I haven't seen it in a long time. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Um, the new. I like the new one. I haven't seen it. Uh, Mortal Kombat, the original. Oh, I love Mortal Kombat. I know, but it it does look pretty bad. So, um, the movie made Johnny Cage cool. Johnny Cage is cool. Was once that movie came out. He was cool. He was cool before that. And uh... um, yeah. So that's all I have, man. I'll we'll uh, you know what? I'll take some time to think about it. Uh, maybe do another Facebook or Twitter poll for you lovely viewers out there. Um, if you guys have any suggestions on things or any comments you have on previous uh, episodes, whatever you want, uh, please just give us shout shout outs. Um, we can read them on air and stuff for you guys. Um, we can discuss them. We the content would be fantastic. Uh, thanks to people like Rob out there who have been very very um, what's the word I'm looking supportive. for supportive supportive uh, to to our our goal to our recall dream. Um, Wait, is this a dream, Justin? It or... is not. Okay, it's real. <laughs> I like them brunette, Armenian, and athletic. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm a little soft. I haven't worked out in a while, but I can get there. Triple digits, baby. <laughs> yeah, triple digits. Um, 110 pounds. Yeah. No big and, deal. And, uh, I, could, th- I could bench press a supermodel. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who's listening out there. But um, we will we'll definitely post something, um, get something going, and uh, I'm all ears. I think Will was talking about uh, Warriors of Virtue, which would be fun because I've never seen that, but it looks awful. Oh yeah. <laughs> so good. I would just hope that it would warrant enough to talk about. <laughs> but oh man, I was laughing so hard the other day when we were snapping each other and doing the the Game of Thrones music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alex is not a fan. <laughs> Alex was not a fan, but I was laughing so fucking hard. She does not appreciate. <laughs> oh, she's a hater. <laughs> yes, she is, in fact, a hater. Uh, Love her to death. All right. Take, take us home, Justin. I think you take us home. I, I brought do. us in. You, 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 did. you pull this... <laughs> tugboat ashore i brought you in this world i can take you out <laughs> all like, right back inside your mama <laughs> that's a mortal combat fatality oh. birthing in reverse fatality there you Friend- go. <laughs> friendship friendship <laughs> all right thank you for listening to the don't be crazy podcast remember to, remember to follow us on twitter at db crazy pod at edgy armo and at zachdale 60 where you can share all of your thoughts with us and we'll discuss them on our show Heck, you can even tell us what movie you think we should do next. Um, and you can vote on the Facebook and Twitter polls for any upcoming suggestions. Thank you for listening. All we ask is don't be crazy. Get your aftermaths. <laughs>